You were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose. Don't let fears, false beliefs, or life's happenings diminish your influence. It's time to live and lead for impact. Host Kirsten Ross, expert of transformation, will help you defeat the drama and overcome the trauma that can stop you in your tracks. You'll gain focus, find confidence, and take bold action. Unleash passionate, purposeful you. Let's go. Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Ross Vogel, your host, and this is episode 277. And if you are in need of making your own impact, make sure to check out myimpactacademy.com forward slash join, where you can get all kinds of information that I've created over more than 20 years of working with amazing leaders and teams. So I have an amazing guest today. His name is Liam Martin. He runs one of the most popular time tracking and productivity platforms in use by top brands today, Time Doctor. He is also a co-organizer of the world's largest remote work conference, Running Remote. And you know, that is so popular right now, as we all know. So whenever possible, Liam encourages others to work remotely and actively promotes remote work. His products and services are defined by the concept of giving workers the flexibility to work wherever they want, whenever they want. Liam has also co-authored a book, Running Remote, focused on remote work methodology. In this revolutionary guide, Liam and his co-founder, Rob Ross, have unearthed the secrets and lessons discovered by remote work pioneering entrepreneurs and founders who've harnessed the async mindset to operate their businesses remotely in the most seamless, hassle-free, and cost-effective manner possible. Liam holds an undergraduate and graduate degree in sociology from McGill University. Welcome, Liam. Thank you for having me. And that you do not know async management and communication, I think this is going to be a very exciting podcast. About 50 percent of the ones that I do right now. No one knows anything about this particular subject. And I find it so weird because it's completely dominated by life over the last decade. Well, and here's why I'm looking forward to our conversation. All the way back in the late 1990s, I had a website. So I'm a HR professional by, you know, by education and experience and started my mm -hmm. business over 20 years ago. But anyway, I started a website called Women's Work and I had policies and how to's. I had a job share partner match. Of course, we called it teleworking back then, but it was very revolutionary then. And a lot of people hadn't even heard of it. And it was really an uphill battle. So I've been fighting this battle actually for many years. And oh, I have been absolutely loving, honestly, I mean, a lot about the last couple of years has been very challenging, but I loved that the jig was up. I mean, back when I started my business, again, when I was pushing for flexible work and uh, remote work, et cetera, and uh, trying to make it as easy as possible for employers to utilize that by providing them with the policy and the how-tos and all of that, I had to pretend like I was a big company and I was in a brick and mortar. <laughs> and now, you know, how often do we hear someone, you know, like, oh, sorry, I'm taking my kids to school and I got them in the back, but is it okay? And you're like, yes, I am celebrating. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to talking to you. You know, what's funny is the running remote conference that we're running May 17th. Uh, I don't know when this is actually going to go live, but uh, May 17th is when we're running our next physical event. And we've been on a virtual hiatus. We've only been do doing virtual for the past two and a half years. So the room block that we got from our, from our hotel, they ended up calling the, our lawyers and they were scared because they said, well, we've looked up your company and 
it looks like your corporate headquarters is just a PO box in Las Vegas. Who are you guys? Are you guys scammers, right? So that, and then I had to actually get on the phone with them and say, so you do know the conference is called Running Remote, right? It's about remote work. Like we don't have an office. Uh, we never will have an office. And we're even seeing that today. So I think there's been a huge amount of gains that have occurred over the last couple of years, particularly with COVID. But then there are a lot of people that, say, well, if you don't have an office, you're not a serious business. And that's something that I really want to change. Oh, I so agree. Yeah. So I'm, I also help my clients with recruiting and yeah, some of the job boards are, you know, they're wanting, you know, I need a physical location and no, you can't, you know, and it's like, everybody mm -hmm. works remote and we've been doing this remote for years, by the way, <laughs> but yeah, right. oh, there's still work to do. But, um, so anyway, I, I'm in love with the work that you're doing. Uh, and again, I, I'm going to pat myself on the back though, because I was a pioneer back before <laughs> people even, uh, knew about it many years ago, but, um, but yeah, so tell me like what motivated you to, uh, work to make this impact in the world. So for me, the passion that I really had for remote work stemmed from 2007. I ended up actually getting almost summarily kicked out of McGill University. I know in my bio, it said, oh, he has a master's degree from McGill University, but I was actually trying to get a PhD in sociology. And for those people that don't know, this is a pretty open secret, but most first and second year university courses are taught by undergraduate students. So I was able to teach my first ever class in grad school. Started with 300 students, ended up with less than 200 by the end of the semester, and the worst academic reviews in the history of the department. And the department had been up and running for about 135 years. So, oh, wow. Not very good. <laughs> I remember walking into my supervisor's office and I said, I don't think I'm very good at this. And he said, no, you are not. And I said, okay, so what do you think I should do? And he said, well, you know, you got to get pretty good at this teaching thing over the next 10 to 20 years before you actually get to do anything fun. So figure out what you need to do or figure out another job. And six weeks later, I threw a master's thesis under his door and I was out into the real world. And I started my very first virtual remote business, which was an online tutoring company. So I actually ended up tutoring students through, at that point, Skype. That was the only thing that was available to do any kind of virtual web conferencing. <clears throat> there was another tool that was uh, very expensive. I think it was something like $10,000 a month or something like that. So I wasn't going to use that. Oh, wow. I used Skype. So um, this was very old school back in 2007 and ended up building up that business to a pretty pretty good amount, had a couple dozen tutors. And then the issue that I had was I couldn't actually account for the hours worked between a student and a tutor. So a tutor would bill me for 10 hours. I'd bill the student. The student would say, well, I didn't actually work with my tutor for 10 hours. I'd work with them for five. I'd go to the tutor and say, hey, you billed me for 10. He's saying five. He said, well, I worked with them for 10. I'd end up having to pay the tutor the full 10 hours and then refund the student five hours. This was really destroying the business. And I had this alpha product, me and my business partner, my now business partner, Rob Rawson, we had this alpha product called Time Doctor, which could really solve that core problem. And that kind of led into the second business that I built, Time Doctor. And that was about 12 years ago. Added in staff.com, which is an enterprise enterprise version of time tracking, and then also the running remote conference, which really came from my passion of trying to figure out how to have remote first companies be treated properly. Uh, maybe properly is the wrong word, but if you're in the VC world, if you're in the tech world, a lot of people that say that you're not venture ready, they call you a lifestyle business. It's like, oh, that's a cute lifestyle business. And I didn't want to be treated like a lifestyle business. Uh, we have 
you know, we run a, a very large operation. We have 150 people in 43 different countries. We're not a lifestyle business. We are a big business. And what we've seen over the last two and a half years is all of these cute little lifestyle businesses have become 10, 20, 50, $100 billion companies uh, overnight, which is incredibly exciting for me. And I just want to be able to continue on that path. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, it's, hasn't it been fun this last couple, again, a lot of difficult stuff in the last couple of years, but it's been really interesting as someone who also is a fan of remote work seeing again, we're not all the way there, but I've been interested to see like, what is this going to do to commercial space and how many organizations are going to realize like, oh, we could be really productive when everyone, you know, was working from home and let's, you know, modify ongoing. Yeah. Um, a lot of my clients have still done that. Yeah. Just to kind of paint the backdrop, February of 2020, 4% of the U.S. workforce was working remotely. March of 2020, 45% of the U.S. workforce was working remotely. And that's the biggest shift in work since the Industrial Revolution. But the Industrial Revolution took 80 years and we did that in March. So yeah. a complete shift and re-understanding of where work is. Right now, we're sitting approximately at about 33% of the U.S. workforce working remotely. And 5% of that workforce is working remotely due to COVID. So 95% is not doing it due to COVID. They're doing it because that's what they want to do. So we've seen a complete change of work overnight. You know, if I owned a bunch of corporate leases, as an example, I would probably want to get out of that business as quickly as humanly possible. And the actual interesting thing inside of that big problem, which I think is a economic nuclear bomb waiting to go off, is when you talk to any large company, even people that are in like the SME space, thousand plus employees, the average lease time for a company like that is 10 years. Uh, I have a, multiple friends of mine that have leases for 25 years on properties and they can't get out of those leases, but they're not actually actively using it. And they're trying to get out of those leases as they stand now. There's estimates to be able to say that the entire space of like basically corporate office space is probably going to see a 30% drop over the next five years, which I don't know how we're going to absorb that as an economy. We're printing a lot of money right now. So I think that that's probably, that's probably kind of putting a bit of a bandaid on the problem as it stands now, but there are some large economic forces that we're going to have to readjust to as we're seeing remote work become the primary way to work. On planet Earth. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what happened. Of course, then my mind goes to, hmm, we have all these housing issues, but of course, you know, they'd have to still modify <laughs> the cost of that space for people to live there. But so anyway, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with that space and and with that whole yeah industry. So when you think back to the work that you've done, what impact working with you know whether it's someone who's utilizing one of your services um, or someone working for you, what impact have you made that really really fuels your passion to keep moving. I think that remote work, and this is something that I said, I was on a podcast a couple of days ago, someone had pulled something out from like 2016, and it's still relevant today. Remote work is the single most important thing that you can do to improve an employee's work life. Out of every other variable that they've looked at, if you allow someone to work remotely, it gives them the freedom and autonomy to access work in a way that makes them happier, makes them want to stay in your company longer, reduces their stress level, gives them an extra 90 minutes of sleep every day. And so for me, that's what really excites me when I see these people that are able to get access to work opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to get access to. The other side of this, which I like too, is, and this is my own personal mission inside of remote work is we always pay attention to remote workers, but we don't actually pay attention to the people that work remotely that are in countries outside of 
Canada, the United States, Europe. And those are the people that can really see their lives completely change due to remote work. We have a short that we did a couple of years ago with my now friend Fahim, who was a man in Dhaka, Bangladesh. He would sell carpets on the streets of Dhaka. He got enough money together in order to purchase a laptop and purchase some internet credits. And he self-taught himself graphics design and computer design and became one of the top designers on Upwork and Fiverr, a top 10 designer on Upwork and Fiverr and completely changed his life, changed his family's life. His entire family was dependent upon him now for income. And the thing that no one knows about is that Fahim has muscular dystrophy. He can only move his hand. Nothing about that is said in any of his profiles on Fiverr or Upwork and nowhere else would he have been able to get those types of job opportunities. But because remote work removes that bias, it removes the wrapper of the person and really just focuses on the work. He's able to get these opportunities that no one uh, would have given him had he walked into an office before. And that's the exciting part of remote work that I love looking at. That is really exciting. That That's a wonderful story. I, I really, really love that. I, you know, I'm thinking back to when I started focus, focusing on this and, and to me it was because I was a new mom and, you know, there wasn't a good way for me to find work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I was lucky enough to start working part-time for a period in the profession that I was in and then work remote partly. Again, this was a long time ago when it wasn't happening, but then I realized how many other moms did not have the same opportunity and how many people were preying on those moms by, you know, offering scams, et cetera. And mm -hmm. uh, so that's what I was really working to overcome. And so from my lens, it was always just helping and, and dads too, but helping people have that good work-life balance and, mm. you know, and the blend of, you know, making sure that family could be a priority, um, which again, I'm happy to see in the last 20 something years has improved. Uh, I think there are more people that get the opportunity to find that work-life balance. And I'm hoping that um, the trajectory continues, but yeah, the story that you just shared is really transformational. Yeah, no, I, I love being able to see, and again, it's not just people in DACA, it's everyone on planet earth. I think it's such an amazing equalizer for everyone. And when you look at the opportunities that you have, if you're a woman, if you're a minority, if you know, you're someone that would have the projected bias that wouldn't necessarily get them into the rooms that they think that they should be in. Remote work is a great equalizer because it just allows everyone to really say, Hey, look at my work. Don't look at me. Yep. Yeah. So tell me what's been the biggest internal or external challenge for you as you've um, done this work and how have you overcome it? Oof. Uh, well, you know, I, uh, you want to get super deep on this one. Uh, <laughs> I remember around, um, around April, I was working. So from March, April, May, June, July, I was working 16 hours a day, every single day. And I said to myself, this is something that I've been doing for almost 20 years, remote work. I've been advocating for remote work for almost 20 years. This is my time. <laughs> uh, this is the time to be able to get out there and really give people a taste of this fantastic opportunity, even though obviously COVID was a horrible thing that happened. I actually think when we look back on this over the next 20 years, remote work will be a major part of the story inside of COVID because history will record it as the point in which we stopped leaving these offices, right? We we effectively almost moved from like a horse and buggy to a Model T, we moved from, from horses to cars during that period because there was an an entirely new way of working that was better for employees and for employers. So I remember around March, I had a, um, 
I had a G20 country that called me and they they had 550,000 employees that they had just moved remotely and they were asking for my help. And I said, I have 150 people. I can't help you. <laughs> like, I'm just, that's completely out of my headspace. And they said, you know what? You're the only one that we've been able to talk to that actually knows anything about this subject. It was such a small community at that point. And so for me, the biggest challenge that I've had is just getting that word out to everyone. I kind of felt like around March, I was in the ocean with a life preserver and everyone else was drowning. And I was trying to tell people like, okay, you can come into the boat now. Let's let's just get you get you operational inside of remote work, but it was such a slow process. And there were so many other people that were drowning from this process because a lot of people right now, and it is still the majority of remote workers and remote work environments, they've turned working from home into living at work. And that's not the reality of remote work. Remote work is actually very different from that. So that's really been my internal struggle over the last two and a half years, which there's probably other struggles, but that's just the one that's really been relevant to me is trying to figure out how do I get the word out to as many people as possible, as quickly as possible, which is why I'm on this podcast with you, by the way, to be able to try to communicate this message to other people. And it's been such a, it's been such a difficult process because uh, we were such a small community before and the entire world just switched remote overnight. So tell me a little bit more about how you work with these companies. What services do you provide? How does your time doc? and help them coordinate better working remote? Sure. So Time Doctor is simply a time tracking tool for remote workers. And we kind of call it lovingly Fitbit for work because it tells you all of the different metrics that you do throughout your workday. And then it can tell you how you can actually become better in your work. But outside of that, I mean, all of the products and services, the running remote conference as well, which is our conference on remote work, we all focus on one singular goal, which is trying to help the world's transition towards remote work. So everything that we do is effectively connected to that. And it's been a really nice, you may or may not know SaaS businesses that well, but SaaS businesses have a fantastic way of once you've built them properly, they really kind of build themselves. And so for us, what we're really trying to do now is just try to get the word out on remote work. Running remote is really kind of a passion project for me. So is the book. And the goal was not to make money off of any of these things. We don't. The goal is how many people can we educate on how to work effectively when you're working remotely? You actually do have a dashboard connected to that, which has in no way connected. Um, we have to make sure that we actually break even. That's the only thing that we need to do, but we kind of act more like an NGO than um, a for-profit company. Okay, great. So tell Tell me a little bit how people can contact you. I have you share that. And of course, this will be also on today's show notes, but how can people get in touch? So you can go to runningremote.com. You can go to timedoctor.com. You can check out the conference, the book and our time tracking software. But if you want to chat with me, one of the best ways to be able to do it is to go to YouTube youtube.com slash running remote. All of our talks are up there for free. So if you can't afford the book or the conference, you can consume all the content there absolutely for free. And if you put some comments down in there, that's the only actual form of social media that I personally control. And I love chatting with people. I do it um, every 48 hours. I sit down and I go through all the comments and we get into deep, uh, deep discussions about remote work there. Awesome. Well, that sounds fun. Well, I definitely encourage everyone to go to, to those links. And again, they will be at today's show notes. So as we conclude, what words of wisdom uh, would you share for others who want to make their own impact in the world? I have a personal saying, which is the secret to life is being comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. And I think almost every 
everything that I've done in my life focuses on that single idiom. And whenever I have resistance in my life, whenever I have stress or anxiety, it's usually that I have not had a difficult conversation and forcing myself to do that has been probably the most eye-opening and profitable action of my entire life. Hey, I've gained 20 pounds. Why have I gained 20 pounds? Well, because I'm not going to the gym and maybe I don't necessarily think that much of myself. Well, maybe I should have a conversation with myself or maybe I should have a conversation with my wife to be able to make sure that I'm accountable. I've got you know an issue with one of my family members and they're getting into fights with me. They're short with me. Let's sit down. Let's actually work it out. I've got a coworker that is that has some issues with me. I've got a someone that reports to me that has issues with me. Let's sit it down and let's work it out. That is the single most important thing that anyone can do in their lives to be able to improve their lives. And counterintuitively, it's actually one of the most difficult things to do in the moment. But right after you have the conversation, I could guarantee you, you will feel way, way better. You've probably got four or five of those in your head right now as I'm speaking to you. Write them down on a piece of paper. Tomorrow, go and talk to those people. Start the conversation with, hey, I've got a problem. Uh, I think you can help me with it. Here's the issue that I need to address. Let's talk about it. That is amazing advice. Absolutely. How many people are walking around with the baggage of those conversations not had? The worry, the fear. So, and that's actually one of the things that I help clients with. We're very aligned. Um, and I've been facilitating, like helping people strategize for those difficult conversations and also facilitating where there's very high conflict for over 30 years. Mm. And I can tell you, so I have, a, I've been privileged to, to be witness to many, many difficult conversations. And so I can speak to the fact uh, and verify what you just said. I have never seen someone's fears come to fruition. So the fears mm. that are stopping you from having those conversations, um, I've never seen people's biggest fears come to fruition. Is it always easy? No. Are there times when unanticipated things happen? Yes. Most often they're unanticipated things that are better than you anticipated, but, uh, but sometimes, you know, anytime we, uh, I always say we fit together like puzzle pieces in our relationships. And so anytime one person makes a tweet and, you know, and that can be in a form of communication or it can be just behaving differently, setting boundaries better, all those kinds of things, the other person will have to make an adjustment and it can be bumpy at times, but man, it is so worth it on so many levels. The, the authenticity that you can then have in your relationships, um, the release of the worry, the stress, whatever, you know, the angst that's sitting on your shoulders and in your headspace. And um, yeah, ultimately, almost always just better relationship on the other side. So mm -hmm. um, I appreciate you saying that. I, mm. I so agree. I also feel that these uncomfortable conversations are like weeds. Mm -hmm. They work themselves into your life and they impact aspects of your life that you that you didn't even think were connected. Mm. More irritability, more, you know, you snap at people more, you're more frustrated and removing those weeds, pulling them out. I mean, it's just so freeing. I know it's incredibly difficult. I know it's incredibly difficult, but I... I actually make a process for myself to audit those difficult conversations. And whenever you can look inside yourself and say, why am I peeved? I was going to use another word, but why am <laughs> I, why am I angry about this particular situation? Or why am I just angry in general? When you actually look down inside of it, it's usually you've got some type of barrier either with yourself or with one of your loved ones or with one of your coworkers, get it out. You'll feel way better after you did. 100%. And I actually create a rule, you know, I, it's not hard and fast. So I'm not saying, you know, nothing gets executed with perfection, I don't think. But I try to live by the rule that I'm not going to allow myself to be angry if I haven't had the conversation to give the mm. person the opportunity to make different 
choices. Mm. And so um, because then I'm taking it on, I'm not giving the opportunity. And so, yeah, I'm holding the weight of something that, you know, might have a better outcome if I just move through the discomfort of having that conversation. So and let them make informed decisions from there. Too often, if we're not speaking up, you know, people do the simplest thing, right? If mm-hmm. it's if they don't realize, like if you're making all the accommodations in your relationship, they don't know. They don't know you're building resentment if you haven't said anything. You know, mm. if you're if you're not speaking truth about how you're really feeling, if you're being a people pleaser, etc. Yeah, they think everything's hunky dory. And so they're going on about their life while you might be building up resentments, feeling overwhelmed, all those kind of frustrated, all those kind of things. But so fill in the blanks for them so they can make, dif- you know, have the opportunity at least to make different choices and take different action. For sure. Yeah. So, so valuable. And again, you're probably listening to this and thinking to yourself, oh yeah, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe I should do that. Write it down right now. Put it on your phone. (laughs) Write down those those uncomfortable conversations. Put it as a little notification at the top of your calendar and just have one and see how you feel. Yeah, I actually, so I I, at the beginning, I said, go to myimpactacademy.com forward slash join. And actually in there, one, I have a whole section on healthy uh, healthy communication and relationships and healthy relationships requires healthy communication. But I also have the uh, relationship renovation roadmap, which helps you do exactly what Liam is talking about. It helps you do an audit and also consider the actions that are required. And sometimes the actions are just recalibrating expectations of the relationship. Um, So anyway, it kind of walks you through how to see where there's weight from, you know, kind of dragging you down from relationships. And sometimes it's, it could be relationships that you're not actually physically with the person. It could be just old stuff, old baggage from years Mm ago, where Mm -hmm. you might just see their face on social media. And if there's something about them or if they go, here's one, and I bet you can relate to this. You think about posting something about on social media that, you know, that you've done or an accomplishment or something you have coming up and you think, oh, but what if that person sees that? That is old baggage Oof. that needs to be fixed. Wow. It could be yeah, something you need as to get rid of that, that. Yeah. ASAP because that is, that is psychological poison. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you're not even aware, you know, that, that right. thought flies through, you know, because our amygdala is kind of stopping us from doing what's uncomfortable anyway. And so it makes up all kinds of excuses. So maybe that's just your excuse, (laughs) but like stop and look at that. And if that's happening, yeah, there's some cleanup to do. And again, it might just be releasing an old relationship mentally. It might not be action in the relationship itself because it's just old stuff. But um, yeah, work to do if they're making any kind of negative impact in your life now. Love it. Yeah. So thank you so much for for coming on today, Liam, and throw out those uh, the links again where they can uh, connect with you and find further, well, not connect with you, but find further information. Yeah, they can't connect with me. And, yeah. and I actually think people should connect with each other a lot less because everyone just connects. But what you should really be focusing on is just doing your own thing and making sure that you know exactly what you're doing next uh, and, and you're happy with that. But runningroad.com, timedoctor.com. And then if you can't afford book or conference or access to our software, youtube.com slash running remote, it's completely free on there and uh, anyone can go and check it out. Great. Thank you so much. And uh, again, you can find find all those links by going to today's show notes, go to defeatthedrama.com, click on the podcast tab, and then go to episode 277. And again, you can find the um, relationship renovation roadmap that we were talking about and all kinds of other audio, video, and PDF downloads to really rock your world, uh, make your impact by going to myimpactacademy.com forward slash join. So thanks again for listening. Get out there and make your own bigger, bolder impact. The world is waiting. And thanks so much, Liam. Thanks for having me. 